Hello, this is Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Now, I'm kind of fangirling today because someone I, ad I admire and adore and have known for a very long time is our guest. And it's David Rockham Sockham Wakameen. <laughs> I still said it wrong. But anyway, it's a very old name and often mispronounced. So David, you say it now. Rockham Sockham Jawakam. Jawakam, that's it. I love it, okay. Having a name with a lot of vowels like I have, David, my name has been pronounced my entire life. And most of the time, I don't even correct people anymore. Do you know what I mean? I just can't, I, I can't be bothered. I do the same. I was on Emerald Live once with Emerald Lagasse. <laughs> and uh, he said, here's my good friend, David Joachim. And of I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> now... Anyway, we're going to give, David, people your website and how to reach you and stuff like that. And we have all of this will appear um, on our Facebook page and on our um, website page. So not to worry. People can find you. Perfect. So let me just tell people a little bit about you and why I'm so excited you're here. I know David from ICP. We have shared a publisher. David is a food cookbook writer. He has edited, he has written, he has co-authored about 50 cookbooks. This is how he has made his living. Um, and done a, an incredible job, I might say too. So with that said, he became a friend at ICP and we shared a publisher, like I said, and once in a while, by the grace of God, I got to sit next to David at the dinners. These were expensive um, alcohol-fueled publishing dinners. <laughs> we were all supposed to go around the room and say, guess what I'm working on? And I just always lucked out. When I sat next to you, we had fun. And I'm, I'm just so impressed with you as a dad and a human being and a writer and a musician. And uh, other than that, that little tiny business with your wife and the restraining order, I promise <laughs> you, there will be no issues here. No, no. Well, I have to say, you always had the best stories at those ICP dinners, and I really enjoyed sitting next to you as well. Because, I mean, you're in LA, you've, you've dealt with all the stars, you, you have all the backstage stories, they're, they're great. You know what, I do, you know, David, I, a lot of them are dead now, so I'm trying to... <laughs> now, let me tell you why I've really been thinking about you. I know that you have a gorgeous new book out called, you know, Coming Out. In November, is it the fall that you told me? Yes. Yes. It's already on Amazon if people want to look. And it's called Mastering Bread. The cover, David, I love. I absolutely love. Now, let me tell you, I've never made a loaf of bread since I was in school in 1984. David, so I actually, very dear friends, because here we are in the pandemic, and you are a master, and what is everybody doing? making bread <laughs> everybody is baking just Everybody's go to your grocery baking. store and you'll see that there's no flour there's no sugar sometimes and there's no yeast i know and this is just i mean it's really it's an epidemic in the pandemic it's just everybody's <laughs> making bread. It's, it's actually a pandemic i mean i'm That's on the opposite side of the country from you and on the east coast there's no flour on the west coast there's no flour it's, I'm wondering if this is happening around the world too. I imagine it is in Europe. Um, you know, a lot of our baking traditions come from Europe. So I'm imagining people are baking there quite a bit as well. Well, I'll tell you this. 
I had very generous friends. So I, I went to my bread books, David. I had one or two. You know, I really thinned out my cookbook collection in the last year because I had one or two. I'm excited about yours. I think what's amazing about baking bread and what every single person, when I mentioned this to Diane a couple of weeks ago, her, her little eyes rolled to the back of her head when I said, I'm going to bake a loaf of bread. And she went, really? <laughs> Everyone says this. Cindy, who's every great cook or chef that I know, what's the problem? We're all afraid of yeast, David. Okay. It People does have a mind of its own. Maybe not a mind, but it has a life of its own. That's it. So I got, I wanted, I thought to myself, now you're also remember, David, my family's been in San Francisco for 120 years. We know sourdough bread, okay? My father and grandfather owned grocery stores. So I, why was I ever going to make a loaf of sourdough bread? Never. Why? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I put on Facebook, and like you said, no, nothing anywhere. And two friends of mine, both personal chefs, sent me some starter. Bless them. That's terrific. And so I have used my sourdough starter, and I've made two loaves of sourdough bread. One of them was almost as pretty as your loaf of bread. So let me ask you now, these loaves are the first loaves that you've created since when? 1984. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never, I never wow. baked any bread before in my life. Wow. Ever. So they look pretty good. I saw those. Good job. Thank you. Because baking is, is not easy. When you're no. just starting it, or even if you're picking it back up again, it is, uh, it is like riding a bicycle in that it is, a, it is a skill. There's a lot of muscle memory involved, the shaping, knowing, getting a sense of the dough. So it's not. Um, it's not as easy as following a recipe for making a white sauce. What you need to do, David, and I know you know so much about this. It's kind of like asking Einstein how he got to the formula. But here, what, give us some tips on yeast. Or where do people start? Where do people start? Well, I started with my sourdough feeder because I, I could follow those directions. Yeah, I mean, yeast is confusing because there's so many traditions around the world and there are so many products available. So people get confused between instant yeast and bread machine yeast and rapid rise and active dry and different types of instant osmo tolerant red label, gold label. And it's just very confusing. And then when you get to the sourdough and natural yeasts, um, there are all sorts of terms for pre-ferments, which is just a portion of dough that you ferment before the main batch of dough. But there's levain and starter and chef and mother, and there's all these different terms. So it's not you. That's what I would say to people. It is confusing. Um, but what we try to do in the book is simplify the terms a bit, take away the fear factor, and you had asked me earlier, why are people baking so much? One thing that I think baking does is it forces you to focus. It is almost like meditation or yoga, more like yoga because you're using your body. You are in a relationship with the dough. And just think of the relationships you've been in. If you don't nurture them, they don't really work so well <laughs> you know oh, yes. <laughs> unlike I mean this this goes for some cooking too you can't just leave a roast in the oven and forget about it it'll burn but um, it, it's a little different with dough in that you are actually 
some of your bacteria, your microbiome is affecting how the dough will taste, how it will rise. Um, so you are actually in a symbiotic relationship with the dough. And we, we, we found some really interesting science on this uh, about- um, I'm getting hot with you talking like this. <laughs> oh no, that's not right, is it? Now listen, anything that's inappropriate, Cindy never edits out, just so you know. <laughs> that's the good stuff, right? I mean, those are the juicy bits. Uh, but you know, we, we found all this interesting science on things that are happening inside dough. And this is part of the fear factor. You can see what's happening when you roast a chicken. Hey, you know, it was raw and now it's brown. But with dough, when it's fermenting in particular, there's all this stuff going on inside. And the only sign you get is that before it was flat and now it's bigger. But there's all this other stuff that is going on. The yeast is actually feeding on the flour. It is giving off carbon dioxide gas, creating these bubbles. It is giving off alcohol. This is part of what makes it taste sour or bitter. There are all these flavor compounds created in the fermentation process, and there are two fermentation processes going on. The yeast is fermenting the dough, but there's also bacterial fermentation going on. That creates another whole set of, of flavors. And this, just so you can get a sense of what it is, it's, it's lactic acid fermentation. It's the same thing that goes on with pickles uh, or kimchi or yogurt, but it's going on with the bacteria that like to feed on flour. Uh, so it, we try to just explain what's happening, but honestly, you can get way too bogged down in all of that. You learn a lot more by just baking bread and going through the motions than you do by simply reading. It's good to have that background and understand, but we really encourage doing both. I've solved a couple of problems, David. Like I, my first loaf of bread, the minute it came out, I thought next time the oven has to be hotter. Do you know what I mean? And I have to have my, I'm cooking it in enamel like La, La Crusade. Yep. I thought I'm going to get that pan hotter. I mean, I could see, though I know nothing, where I could correct it. So the second loaf was really, I corrected those problems. And what you, but I also, and I've used my bread machine a couple of times when I don't feel like doing all the kneading and stuff. So, but it's because every time I either, proof a little yeast, a different kind of yeast, use my starter. I'm understanding this. Do you know what I mean? And then every time I'm looking in that bowl as it's rising and growing, I think to myself, oh, this is coming back to me because I had to take some of this in school. But David, I was so busy in school. I had two boyfriends and it was just barely time for me to get to pastry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think baking is it's very it's physical. It's very yeah. physical, which is part of what I think is attractive to uh, for people now for baking. It it's something to do. <laughs> I mean, you are using your hands, and and it involves your mind because you're thinking, okay, how long should this proof? Or yes. you know, am I going to cold ferment or warm ferment it? Whatever. Um, but it is physical, and like riding a bike. Getting back to that, I could ex explain to you. Here's how you ride a bike. You put your hands on the, the bars that are up there and you put your feet on these pedals and then you move your feet around in, a cir in circles and then balance and you'll just move. But you're not going to know anything that I'm talking about until you get on the bike. So that's what we encourage with baking. Same thing. Just get your hands in the dough and then some of the stuff that you may have read will snap into place and you'll understand what we were talking about. I totally agree. Now tell me this, are there recipes in the new book? 
there are about 75 different bread recipes. They're all broken out into different types of bread. So it's yeast breads, enriched yeast breads, sourdough breads, enriched sourdough breads. Um, and then there's pastry actually. And most of those don't have any yeast. And then there's also a chapter called eat, which is things to do with bread uh, or leftover bread to use up um, leftover odds and ends and make breadcrumbs or croutons or ribolita or uh, sandwiches. So there's a whole chapter on that. And then there's a bonus chapter on panettone, which is a project unto itself. So it has an entire chapter and lots of photos and how to and step by step. And it is, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mark Vetri's panettone, yes. but chefs around the country, he, he started mailing this to them um, a few holidays ago. And it became a status symbol to get on Vetri's Panettone mailing list <laughs> because it's it's so it's so good. And I have been through the fire testing that recipe. Um, it took me about five tries to get it right. Um, wow. It is very finicky, and the reason is that it pushes every step of the bread making process to the extreme. It is maximally enriched with butter and eggs and sugar. It is maximally fermented at warm room temperature for days. You use a starter that you, that you start building up two weeks before that. Um, and you bind it in cloth at night to discourage it from growing too much and strengthen the yeast so it has enough, enough power, enough strength to create those big long fermentation bubbles in the finished panettone. So it's a project, but that's why it's its own chapter. It's for the pros, it's for the experts, it's for the people who have already made pita bread and they're moving beyond that. <laughs> it's Now I'll tell you something, David, you had told me this in an email that if you worked with also from fermented grapes to make a yeast. Yes. Now, have you worked with yogurt? I read that in another book and they were talking about how they used yogurt to start yes. sourdough starter. Yes, so I mean, the interesting thing is, yeast likes all kinds of different foods, depending on what species of yeast it is. So uh, we did not use any yogurt starters in the book, but yes, you can do that. We used a grape yeast water, and we did this to show that you can cultivate yeast in almost any substrate or, or medium. Um, and in, in sourdough starter, that substrate is flour. Very common, very understood. But you can capture yeast in water with almost any produce because yeast is everywhere. It is a fungus, and don't let that scare you. It's not a dangerous, like, scary fungus. It is a fungus that we have been able to work with to create this amazing, nutritious food that has fueled civilizations for millennia. Um, and, and you can capture it with almost any produce, but we use grapes, and you can also use plums. And you know that white film that you see, that powdery white film you see on blueberries or grapes? Yes, or, yes. That's an indication that there's yeast there. You will be able to take this produce, put it in water for a couple of days, and then refresh it just like you would with a flour starter by adding fresh grapes and fresh water and saving a little bit of the, uh, the already fermented water that you have. And then you do that just like you would with a regular starter, for a few days and the amazing thing is the fermented grapes they they're almost like little dough balls 
and they're fizzy and effervescent inside. And when you eat one, because it still has the skin on the outside, it's like popping a soda into your mouth. So it's fizzy and effervescent like a Coke would be, uh, but it tastes like a grape. Uh, it's amazing. And it has the CO2. The, the, it has the carbon dioxide. I mean, it's just a cool experience. So what we did in the book was we used that water as uh, the leavening agent for uh, scacciata, uh, which is a, an Italian flatbread, similar to focaccia. Um, and then the fermented grapes get pressed into the top of the dough. You dimpled it into the top of the dough and bake the whole thing. So it's just absolutely delicious and really shows that you can use yeast in various ways. It's uh, now see when you say it, David, it's so clear to me. Do you know what I, mean? <laughs> I feel I feel smarter after this podcast. <laughs> but I will say this, the only thing I can say in my limited last couple of weeks, you the first day I made it, I kept saying to my husband, he said, We're gonna take a walk. I said, No, I have to do this. I have to feed. I have need. I have to prove. I mean, I thought to myself, I'm still working with this loaf of bread like it's seven o'clock at night. <laughs> and I said to him, Hmm, you need to do you know why they always bake the bread early in the morning on the prairie? It was because nobody wanted to do this late at night. Yes, you want so, to get it behind you. It's true. It is, it is kind of a ball and chain, I have to say. At like, first. At I mean, first. If, if you think of it that way, but it's also, it's a relationship. That's, that's, that's exactly right. I prefer to look at it that way. And if you want to be in that relationship, it will, it will turn out great. If you don't, it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. The next day I got up with a new attitude because I was, I was happy that it, when we tasted it, it was edible. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I knew there were a few things wrong, but my husband said, this is pretty good. It's, and, it, it can be so satisfying. Oh, so I then mean, I got up this morning with a new attitude and thought, I, you are my bitch. <laughs> You're bitch, sourdough starter. And I did it. And I corrected my mistakes because, of course, like you're talking about memory, the things it started to come back to me. I thought, oh, I know how to need, you know, the things that um, I remembered it well. So I got so much satisfaction out of the second loaf of bread and then shared it. I've been sharing them all with my neighbor there to to, you know, mature people that can't go out either. And so. And then when they said, God, Denise, that second loaf of sourdough bread was so delicious, I thought to myself, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Let me just it pat was. myself on the shoulder there. But it is very gratifying to oh. take this, especially with sourdough, to take this wild thing that's everywhere. It's in the air. It's on your hands. It's in the flour. And then transform it into this nourishing food that tastes great too, it, it, it is pretty magical. And I think that's one of the things that draws people to baking, but it's also that it is a physical process. Um, it, it's that you, you have, you start with nothing and you end up with something. That's so right. it, it's really, it's, it's a very different kind of food preparation than cooking, I would say. Yes. And it, you can have a relationship with the roasts. I don't want to say you can't, <laughs> but, um, it is different. It is different. Yes. There's, there's a little, there's a little something else going on there. For our listeners, David wrote a book with Robert Rose Publishing called Food Substitutions. 
and has graciously agreed to send us a copy and then we'll have a drawing david so that somebody can get it if there was ever a time that people need a book on food substitutions it's now it is now yes oh. i have actually been contacted by the washington post the new york times the london times they've all interviewed me for food substitutions because the store shelves are empty People right. have been hoarding, and I've been following the news on this. There, there are quite a few things going on, but on the demand side of the supply chain, people have been hoarding um, and stockpiling supplies, flour, for instance. Um, but also on the supply side, uh, the demand has been so great that grocery stores can't keep up with it. And, yeah. and some, some food processors are closing. Uh, to reduce risk at their their processing plants, uh, grocery stores. Some workers are um, not showing up because they're afraid of getting ill. So there, it's just the amount of demand, and I, there shouldn't be any fear about a ma major food shortage. That's not going to happen, but it's possible that you may not be able to get the type of cut of meat that you're used to getting. Yes. You yes. may be buying a whole chicken instead of cut up parts or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, it's been quite a uh, quite a disruption to the food supply chain this now, pandemic you have to come back when the book is out because there's still so many things to talk about i cannot thank you enough for your time we will also put up it's okay with you david sent me pictures of all with dough and starters proofing on his radiator <laughs> which was fantastic yeah and, I, th I thought you'd appreciate that given that you were saying that you know you you had to be there for the dough all day and your oh, husband yeah. was there. <laughs> you know it was the best tip and it was my friend jeff parker i said my starter i can't find a warm spot in my kitchen and he said denise you put it in your oven well see i have an electric oven in this house i have gas stove top and electric oven. and then everyone from all over the world said turn the light on yep i turned the light on my oven and my Sally was so happy to have the heat. <laughs> or a bowl of hot water in there also. Um, my any husband kind of was trying to be a smart ass and told me to do that. You know he didn't think that up. Someone told him <laughs> on know that. Now listen to me. This is only the thing and then we're closing. This is what I want to thank you again. There is so much confusion. Why aren't you? I have seen the worst food videos on Facebook I've ever seen. People that should not be doing them. You will put it together. You, we should do a Zoom <laughs> class. Oh, I appreciate that. Class, you just doing some, the simplest thing, starting with the sourdough starter. Well, you know, you just nailed it. I don't want to just prop up an iPhone on my kitchen countertop. I don't want to make a poorly produced I know. video I know. series. If I'm going to make one, I want to do it right and get a good camera and have someone produce it and, and maybe even think about a script and, and editing and... <laughs> Hello, you think? Yeah. I see some of these and everybody, this is the part that cracks me up. And then thank you again, Dave. When people said, well, what do you want to see? I think you're supposed to know what you're teaching. We're not supposed to teach right. you, tell you what to teach. Right. You're supposed to know. Because you can't get yeast, somehow I managed to get a rapid rise. Yeah. I think they also call it instant. I mean, there's so many different names. But the point is, what I'm trying to understand, I, I really understand a lot of how it came to be and the reason to make it faster for people. You don't have to do two rises. 
You don't have to proof it. But then I read that you cannot use the same amount as regular, regular, whatever you call active dry. Active yeah. dry, yeah. So we explain this in the book. And what's interesting is that over the past maybe five to eight years, yeast manufacturers change the way that they manufacture active dry yeast. So it is formulated much more like instant yeast. It oh. is not a shelf stable. You still need to refrigerate it. But basically now, and manufacturers don't want to change the little proofing directions, you know, put the active dry yeast in hot water and look for the bubbles. They don't want to change that and confuse people. But basically active dry yeast and instant yeast they're interchangeable, same amounts. It's wow. just that the active dry is going to take a little wow. longer to get going, but it will catch up in the end. And I talked to King, King Arthur Flower about this. I talked to food scientists. Um, I contacted Red Star Yeast, and they all said the same thing, that yes, they are, inter they are basically interchangeable now. So in the book, we actually call for dry yeast, and that's it, okay. just dry yeast. Oh, that's interesting. You can use any type. But then the big question is, do you have to proof it? Because they're no. saying, don't proof it. Just throw it in if you're doing the rapid one. Just throw it in with your flour. Forget the proofing uh -huh. and getting it to bubble and all of that. Yes. Is that accurate? Yes, it is accurate. Yeah, because so instant yeast was formulated not only so right. that it would well, that activate less, sooner, and that's but much so less that you could mix it right into the dry it. ingredients. And active dry yeast now can also be mixed right into the dry wow. ingredients. It does take a little longer to get going, but what changed in the formulation is the granules are a little smaller, right. and the drying process for the yeast is more gentle, so the yeast can actually activate while it's mixed in with the dry. Once it gets moistened, it will activate. So it is no longer necessary to actually pre-prove yeast in water by itself that's fantastic to know to know that yeah. and also that they're interchangeable because someone was saying you know you can only do one third of what the regular so that's all bunk and it's interchangeable bottom they're line. interchangeable yeah which is really freeing because there are so many confusing terms as we were talking about and and they do measure differently because the granules are smaller with instant yeast and so it's just so much easier to measure by weight and say, you can use whichever one you want, you know, 10 grams of whatever, or that would be a lot of yeast, but, or like. <laughs> you have made this so easy and understandable. It's phenomenal. David, by mistake, I didn't proof the yeast because I didn't read a package that I had. And I just threw it in my bread machine and the bread turned out okay. And then afterwards, so exactly what you just answered. As an amateur, I thought, oh, I didn't proof this. I didn't know I was supposed to. But I was used to bread machine yeast. Okay, you're just intuitive. You, you knew that. You, you intuited that. I knew that. intuitive. <laughs> I have one other, one other tip for you. And we, we explain this in the book. You can actually use sourdough starter as a leavener in place of dry yeast, whether it's instant yeast or active dry yeast. For every packet of yeast, which is two and a quarter teaspoons, you can use about a cup and a half of sourdough starter in that yeast bread recipe that will replace the two and a quarter teaspoons of dry yeast. The, the one thing that with that substitute, the one thing you do have to keep in mind is you're adding flour and water to your recipe with the starter. So you just need to reduce the amount of flour and water in the dough recipe by what's in the starter. And that's usually a simple calculation because most starters are 50% water, 50% flour. 
So you take your total weight of your starter, um, let's say it's 200 grams, and then you just reduce the flour by 100 grams in the bread dough recipe and reduce the water by 100 grams in the bread dough recipe to total the 200 that you're adding it with the starter. Okay, he switched to grams there in the middle, but that's okay, we'll get there. <laughs> thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for taking your time today. And uh, you'll come back when your book is out, when this book is out. And I thank you so very much. All right. Alrighty. Great talking with you all. Bye now. Bye.